Welcome to our podcast. I am Linda Messer. My husband Ron and I invite you to join us in our weekly broadcast of A New Voice of Freedom. Welcome to Season 4 of A New Voice of Freedom. The podcasts are taken from the four volumes In Defense of Christianity, written by Ronald Keith Messer. This podcast is part of a series we call Poet's Corner. Today's feature is from Book 10, Part 34 of Milton's Paradise Lost. Podcast 26 is entitled The Fall, Part 6. In the prologue to Book 10, Milton writes, Eve persists and at length appeases him, then to evade the curse likely to fall on their offspring, proposes to Adam violent ways, which he approves not. But conceiving better hope, puts her in mind of the late promise made them, that her seed should be revenged on the serpent, and exhorts her with him to seek peace of the offended deity by repentance and supplication. Adam ended his lamentation. However, he is still in despair. He is burdened by a newly awakened conscience. Conscience is the first price that Adam must pay for the fall. Conscience brought guilt, sorrow, and despair. He lies prostrate on the ground. Thus Adam to himself lamented aloud through the still night. Now, as ere man fell, wholesome and cool and mild, but with black air accompanied, with damps and dreadful gloom which to his evil conscience represented all things with double terror. On the ground outstretched he lay, on the cold ground, and oft cursed his creation, death as oft accused of tardy execution, since denounced the day of his offense. In his despair, Adam wishes for death. He questions why divine justice doesn't immediately carry out its office and end his misery. Before the fall, Adam gave no thought to justice. It is only because of his awakened conscience does he consider justice now. Adam did not comprehend what it meant to have a knowledge of both good and evil. Why comes not death, said he, with one thrice acceptable stroke to end me? Shall truth fail to keep her word? Justice divine, not hasten to be just. But death comes not at call. Justice divine mends not her slowest pace for prayers or cries. O woods, O fountains, hillocks, dells, and bowers, with other echo far I taught your shades to answer and resound far other song. Adam sees Eve approaching. His anger turns on her. Whom thus afflicted when sad Eve beheld, desolate where she sat, approaching nigh soft words to his fierce passion she essayed, but her with stern regard he thus repelled. Adam orders Eve to leave his presence. He detests Eve. Out of my sight, thou serpent, that name best befits thee with him leagued, thyself as false and hateful. Nothing wants but that thy shape like his and color serpentine may show thy inward fraud. 
to warn all creatures from thee henceforth, lest that to heavenly form pretended to hellish falsehood snare them. Adam blames Eve for everything. It is all her fault. Satan beguiled Eve, but Eve beguiled Adam. Adam sees no difference between the two. Adam chides himself for thinking Eve was wise. Now he calls her a crooked rib. But for thee I had persisted happy, had not thy pride and wandering vanity, when least was safe, rejected my forewarning, and disdained not to be trusted, longing to be seen, though by the devil himself, him overweening to overreach. But with the serpent meeting, fooled and beguiled, by him thou, I by thee, to trust thee from my side, imagine wise, constant, mature, proof against all assaults, and understood not all was but a show rather than solid virtue, all but a rib crooked by nature, bent, as now appears more to the part sinister from me drawn, well, if thrown out as supernumerary to my just number found. Then Adam turns his anger toward God for creating Eve. Adam thinks God should have just made men and not burdened man's life with women. He calls Eve this novelty on earth, this fair defect of nature. He thought God should have created another way to continue the species. Oh, why did God, creator-wise, that peopled highest heaven with spirits masculine, create at last this novelty on earth, this fair defect of nature, and not fill the world at once with men as angels without feminine, or find some other way to generate mankind. This mischief had not then befallen, and more that shall befall, innumerable disturbances on earth through female snares, and straight conjunction with this sex. For either he never shall find out fit mate, but such as some misfortune brings him, or mistake, or whom he wishes most shall seldom gain through her perverseness, but shall see her gained by a far worse, or if she love withheld by parents, or his happiest choice too late shall meet, already linked and wedlock bound to a fell adversary, his hate or shame, which infinite calamity shall cause to humane life, and household peace confound. Rather than fight with Adam, Eve falls at his feet and seeks a peaceful resolution. Perhaps Milton had in mind the proverb, a soft word turns away wrath, for it melts Adam's heart. He added not, and from her turned, but Eve not so repulsed, with tears that ceased not flowing, and tresses all disordered, at his feet fell humble, and embracing them besought his peace, and thus proceeded in her plaint. Adam was prepared for a fight, but Eve disarms him as she accepts the blame. She pleads for peace. She begs Adam to join her in their fight against Satan. Together they will be stronger. She recognizes that their time is short. They don't even know when death will come. Both actually thought that death would have come sooner. They did not understand the mind of God. They did not yet understand that earth was to be a probationary state in which they could prove to God that they were willing to keep his commandments. She begs Adam not to exercise his hatred against her, for she is already suffering torment. 
She is willing to go before God and accept all the blame. Remember earlier that Adam blamed Eve and Eve blamed the serpent. Now Eve is willing to accept the blame. There is a power in Eve that Adam had not recognized before. He suddenly sees a new person and begins to realize that his former perceptions about women were wrong. Forsake me not thus, Adam. Witness heaven and what love sincere and reverence in my heart I bear thee, and unwitting have offended. Unhappily deceived, thy suppliant I beg, and clasp thy knee, bereave me not, wherein I live, thy gentle looks, thy aid, thy counsel in this uttermost distress, my only strength and stay. Forlorn of thee, whither shall I betake me, where subsist? While yet we live, scarce one short hour perhaps between us two, let there be peace, both joining and joined in injuries, one enmity against a foe by doom expressed against us, that cruel serpent. On me exercise not thy hatred, for this misery befallen on me already lost, me then, thyself, more miserable. Both have sinned, but thou against God only, I against God and thee. And to the place of judgment will return, there with my cries importune heaven, that all the sentence from thy head removed may light on me. Sole cause to thee of all this woe, me, me only, just object of his ire. Eve's tears soften Adam's heart. Adam is completely disarmed, his anger gone. She ended weeping, and her lowly plight immovable till peace obtained from fault acknowledged and deplored in Adam wrought commiseration. Soon his heart relented toward her, his life so late and solid delight, now at his feet submissive in distress. Creature so fair, his reconcilement seeking, his counsel whom she had displeased, his aid as one disarmed, his anger all he lost, and thus with peaceful words upraised her soon. Rather than upbraiding Eve, Adam begins to comfort her. Now Adam is willing to take all the blame himself. Unwary and too desirous as before, so now of what thou knowest not, who desirest the punishment all on thyself? Alas, bear thine own first, ill able to sustain his full wrath, whose thou feelst as yet least part, and my displeasure bearest so ill, if prayers could alter high decrees. I to that place would speed before thee, and be louder heard, that on my head all might be visited. Thy frailty and infirmer sex forgiven, to me committed, and by me exposed. Adam raises Eve up and declares that they will have no more contention. It is Eve who is the first peacemaker. Adam now takes on the role of peacemaker. He wants them to be one in love and bear the burden together, since long life will draw out the pain. Adam realizes that death will not come suddenly. Therefore, they must learn how to cope with life. His thoughts turn toward their children, which he refers to as hapless seed. He regrets the sorrow he has brought upon children yet unborn. But rise, let us no more contend, nor blame each other, blamed enough elsewhere. 
but strive in offices of love how we might lighten each other's burdens in our share of woe. Since this day's death denounced, if aught I see will prove no sudden, but a slow-packed evil, a long day's dying to augment our pain and to our seed, O hapless seed derived. Eve is contrite. She wants to regain Adam's confidence and love. She declares to Adam that she will no longer hide her thoughts, but will express them freely regardless of the cost. To whom thus Eve, recovering heart, replied, Adam, by sad experiment I know how little weight my words with thee confined, found so erroneous, thence by just event found so unfortunate, nevertheless restored by thee, vile as I am to place of new acceptance, hopeful to regain thy love the sole contentment of my heart. Living or dying from thee, I will not hide what thoughts in my unquiet breast are risen. Tending to some relief of our extremes or end, though sharp and sad, yet tolerable, as in our evils and of easier choice. Eve reconciles with Adam, and once again, in perfect unity and harmony, they face the uncertain future together. Milton humanizes Adam and Eve. They are real people with real emotions facing what Shakespeare calls a brave new world. Join us next week as we conclude Book 10. Thank you for listening. Watch for our next podcast.